You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Welcome to the Make Meaning Podcast. I'm Lynn Galadner, and I've dedicated my life to sharing stories of how people make meaning in their work and find purpose in their lives. On this podcast, we're going to talk about some of the great ideas and activities people do every day to make the world a better place and provide inspiration for others. So much of the meaning we find comes from interacting with great people, developing relationships that are mutually beneficial, and doing work that inspires everyone. I hope you'll be inspired by the people you meet here. We all need to find a way to make meaning in the mundane. Welcome back to the Make Meaning Podcast. I'm Lynn Galadner, and I'm so excited about today's interview because I have in studio with me Rachel Lutz, who owns the Peacock Room, Yama and Frida, three of the best stores I've ever been in. (laughs) And she has such an amazing background, which I really just learned minutes before we're starting this conversation. But this amazing entrepreneur and leader in our Detroit community actually was the youngest person ever hired for the position of advanced person in the Clinton administration of the White House. And she spent three years um, heading out ahead of the politicians and making sure everything was copacetic for them. So now she's making us all look good and make sure that we can go into our lives with the best foot forward. So Rachel Lutz, welcome to the Make Meaning Podcast. I am so excited that you're here. (laughs) Thanks for having me. (laughs) And you know, like politics is just like business. Everything is so easy and nothing ever goes wrong. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's so lucky for you. I need to take a chapter from your book. Seriously. (laughs) That's so funny. Well, I mean, it just is amazing, all the things that you've done. And I wonder if you could start by just sort of giving us the little uh, snapshot of your journey to where you are today of, you know, you said you went to Wayne State University and you're a Detroit native like me. Yeah. And um, you worked for the White House and now you own stores. So take us a little little bit through your journey. Well, I really didn't know what my journey was. I was it was really all over the place. So, um in fact, just before we were taping, we were also talking about microphones and radio and right. I actually thought I wanted to go into radio. I interned when I was 16 years old. Wow. Um at WDET's news department. Uh-huh. Uh, Jerome Vaughn was the news director there. He is still there. He's still there. That and was a while ago. <laughs> it was many, many years ago. Um but I kind of dawdled around, didn't know exactly what I wanted to do, but I really enjoyed things that involved communications and service. And, um, you know, I started out uh, before, before the White House gig, I started like interning at Congressman Sandy Levin's office when I was 15. So I was very, very young trying to figure out like what direction I wanted to go in and really like how to manage other people's expectations of what my path was. I think as a teenager, you have a lot of expectations around you and, and ones that you place on yourself, ones that people around you place on you. And um, I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to end up doing. It's hilarious that I own four women's clothing stores because yeah. I hate shopping and I don't like the fashion industry. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Let this be a lesson to anybody out there. (laughs) You know, you don't need tons of preparation to do what you eventually (laughs) do and love and feel purpose with because sometimes you just kind of stumble upon it. So, um, let's be honest because your stores are not really, I mean, they're stores, but Mm -hmm. that's not really the purpose, I don't think. I mean, so I just have to say, it's funny. I think I met you when I first walked into Peacock Room a million years ago and, um, 
I feel like you're my friend now oh, and I just love you. it. And I, I, I don't, I mean, I'm there to shop or to find really cool things, but I also don't feel like it, it's shopping. It's just a consumerism experience. Like, you know, there's you walk like walking a door, you have an experience. Yeah. So what are you doing that's making it really transcend, you know, the typical shopping experience? What's my special sauce? Yes. <laughs> Take us behind the curtain. You know, um, my special sauce is, uh, being a bit different. You know, I, I think that there's this formula. Of when people go into business, they're like, this is the template for this kind of business and this is how you do it. And, um, really the store and the things in the store are just a vehicle. They uh-huh. are a vehicle of connection. Yeah. So we don't sell stuff on a shelf or stuff on a rack. Um, we really engage with people and really sadly that's become less common. Oh yeah. Um, you know, nowadays a lot of people, the interaction that they have with the things that they consume is it shows up on their doorstep with a cardboard box right? and you just don't, um, you don't get that type of connection anymore. So I basically created my businesses around what I didn't like about huh. my industry. Okay. So, you know, I was a plus size girl since high school and I couldn't find a lot of things to fit over my curves. And, you know, there are things that look like tented moo-moos. It's just, <laughs> it's still like, it still has a long way to go. Right. But I feel like um, when I was a teenager, I really didn't like going into a boutique or a store and having my other girlfriends, you know, go clothing shopping and try things on and cute. And, oh, I want to see you in this dress and the sweater. And meanwhile, I'd be like, I'm just going to go look over here at these necklaces and scarves. <laughs> so I wanted a place that was welcoming to everybody. Yes. Um, I wanted uh, any woman to walk in. And if she wanted to find something that made her feel good, I wanted to have it there or at least give her options. Yeah. So when people ask me, like, what is your typical customer? Like, what's their demographic? And I say, "Eh, like nine to 89. (laughs) Um, Yes. And really, we've sold, you know, Peter Pan collars to grandmothers. Wait, you said that to me once and I bought a dress with a Peter Pan (laughs) collar and I wear it. And I remember saying to you, it's funny because your voice is like in my head, but I was like, am I too old for this? And you're like, I have a 90 year old who can rock a Peter Pan collar. <laughs> it's not age, it's a mindset. And I'm like, I love you. I'm buying this dress because I love that dress. Do you get compliments on I it? I do. Yeah. I do. See? Yeah. So. Was that so hard? <laughs> yes. It's so funny. I'm like, Peter Pan collar. You know, it's really funny is we have a lot of like teens and 20-somethings. They want to wear like the grandma dresses. That's so funny. You know? oh, I oh, say grandma gosh. in air quotes. Yes. And I'll actually, it's so funny because when I hear a woman make some self-deprecating remark, we get a lot of this. We hear this often and we hear a lot of women say, oh, this is so cute. I'm too old to look this cute though. Like Aww. this is too, this is too cute for me. I'm too old. Aww. And I will sometimes, I'm, I'm awful. I will say to them, you know what? You're right. And then they're kind of taken aback. Like I, all I'm doing is agreeing with what they just yeah. said. They're kind of taken aback. And then like, I how said, dare you? well, and then I'll say like, you know, we have some burlap potato sacks in the stock room. <laughs> is that it. what you think you deserve to wear? And then we both laugh and yes. then they realize that they're being a little ridiculous. Yes. So yes. yeah, we, it, it's, you are always surprised in my industry by who ends up with what piece, you know, I'll, I'll buy, I bought these like amazing sheer, like, totally sheer, totally see-through tops uh-huh. and strategically placed over certain bits and pieces uh-huh. <laughs> where these would look like dragon scales. I mean, it was really like a wild piece. And I thought, yeah. I mean, 
pretty much, I think only my 19 year old customers are going to want this. Yeah. Every single one was snapped up by someone over age 50. Wow. That's awesome. And those are the types of women that we've started to attract are the ones that want to come in. They want to see what speaks to them, yeah. what they respond to, and they want they want to wear it out in the world and use that to represent who they are. And that's really amazing. And to defy stereotypes. Like I'm not going to be defined by my age or my size mm-hmm. or my gray hair or whatever it is. You know, I think some of the things I appreciate about you and the way you've trained your staff too is that um, I know I'm getting an honest opinion. And so there have been times I've come in and I try something on and you're just like, mm, and you kind of like <laughs> give me a look like, yeah, that's not going to work for you. And I love that because I know that when you say something really fit, like works for me, it's yeah. True. It's sincere. Whereas when you go to some other stores, they just want to make a sale or maybe they're getting a commission or whatever it is. Yeah. And so And that's a transaction that's not a relationship. Exactly. So when when um it, it is something we definitely have to be very careful around. People are sure. very um and understandably, they're very sensitive to language. They're sensitive right. to those inner voices that they've been fed over time that tell them what they should and should not do. Yes. And we try to blame we try to blame the party that is to blame, which is the clothing, not you. Right, right. We, we had a mother and daughter in one time and it was really hard to listen to the mother talking to the daughter because, really? yeah. Huh. So the mother would say things like, you know, your body doesn't fit into any of this and what? you're too big and you're too this. And, uh. and I, so I kind of did like a little intervention. I was like, you know what? Let me take these clothes out of the fitting room. These clothes are not fitting your daughter. These clothes are the wrong shape. These clothes are the wrong proportion. So even just using different language, I think it can really not just transform a shopping experience, but that young woman is listening to cues from her mother and the, and magazines and Instagram, and they're all bombarding her with these messages. And we want to be like a, a shelter, a respite from those messages and really yeah. build a, you know, it's not a store, it's a culture that we've tried to build. So I yeah. think that's where a lot of the following comes from. It's really interesting because we spend our lives um, sort of on autopilot with identity because we don't even know when we're little what's being given to us or the, the messages we hear surrounding who we are and what's good or bad about us. That forms your normal. Yes. You yeah. know, like I was always told I'm bossy and have a big mouth. And so, <laughs> and not in a positive way. I, can, I concur. And I think that's kind of cool. So <laughs> yes, but I feel like if it had been like you're a great leader, or but you take given charge, to criticism. you know exactly. Um, and I remember the the first time somebody was like, "Oh, you're beautiful." I'm like, "What?" And I almost cried. And it was oh. because it just—I mean, it is what it is, you know. And and we weren't as necessarily mindful way back then in the Middle Ages, but um, <laughs> yeah, you know. But I do. I think about that with my kids, you know. And it's it's very interesting to me that um. You know, in middle school, they usually gain weight before they gain height. And so almost everybody in middle school is chubby for a period of time. It's just sort of how puberty works for a lot of people. And, um, and I never ever said a word when my kids went through that because I'm like, you know what? It's a process. And even if that is who they are, it's not who they are. It's just yeah. a body thing. Yep. And if you define yourself that way, you know, I, my brother is in his forties and he's like six feet tall and, like a mad exercise man. I mean, in great shape. He's still the chubby middle schooler in his head (laughs) because of the connotations, you know? Um, I just think that, you know, these messages about identity are so subtle and they linger for as long as you let them. We are surrounded by a lot of check boxes. Yeah. And increasingly so, we are being, um, and I think this is actually like a, a, 
national, if not international, a, a societal crisis right now that we are all being subjected to all these algorithms and it makes it's it true. even worse. Yeah. yeah. So once the quote unquote marketplace knows about you that you have curly hair <laughs> or you have, you know, like a bust area, whatever, like yeah. anything that anything that we feed into that system through social media, through our consumer purchases, through anything. Yeah. Um, we are then bombarded with things that reinforce those things. Yeah. So what happens as you evolve as a person and you don't fit in certain checkboxes anymore, or maybe you're never in that checkbox to begin with. And we, we start looking at the world, our lenses start having those checkboxes on people. So I think it's our role as humans to actively counteract those algorithms. Yeah. That's true. You know, we, it's so easy. We, we walk, um, before we walk into a new restaurant, we want to go to Yelp and we want to see like, this is what this restaurant serves. Right. And this is the price range and this is the hours. And, you know, we don't really just, hey, let's go check out that new restaurant I heard about. You know, yeah. I, you don't need to check out the menu. Just walk in. Yep. Have an experience. Yeah. If you have a disappointing experience, guess what? Sometimes that happens and that makes you appreciate the really great experiences True. that you later have. But now we all expect these like highly amazing, satisfactory, five-star experiences and everything. And I think that really hurts our, I think that that hurts our, um, our ability to just go out in the world and experience it as it comes. Yeah. And you mentioned earlier about being a teenager and having expectations managed for you mm -hmm. um, versus managing your own. You know, we keep raising the bar higher and higher so that um, nothing is good enough. Nothing is fancy it's enough. enough. It's never tasty enough. It's whatever, you know, mm -hmm. um, and, and everybody's watching. So whatever we do, we have to be so conscious of it. it's not only for my own personal judgment, but it's everybody around me who's going to see this. Absolutely. You know, or how do I hide it? I don't even know if that's a concept anymore to hide something from public view. Privacy. You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, but people don't really manage their privacy. Today, <laughs> you know, Look at what I ate for lunch. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Actually, I did that this morning. I posted my breakfast. <laughs> There you go. It was just so cool. It was Israeli salad and herring. I saw and that. Did yeah, you see that? Yeah, yeah. So I was like, you know, we're all a mix of contradictions. You know, I'm like, I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, cool Israeli and you know, old Jew. So it's great. <laughs> you know, I love it. So um, I so, appreciated the contradiction. By thank the way, you. thank <laughs> you so much. It's, I love that. So just a little commentary. But yeah. um, so you know, I I really consider you a leader in Detroit, both oh. in the entrepreneurial community, um, just Detroit culture. Um, I don't know if you intended that. I don't. I don't. You know, you're just, you know, everybody, everybody knows you. Um, and I feel like you're really mindfully in this sense of place. Um, what does that mean to you to be like in that heart of Detroit and part of its, part of its rebirth, really? You know? Um, I, I didn't imagine any other place that I wanted to do business other than Detroit. Yeah. Um, my parents had businesses in the city. And they would take us with them to work. What kind of businesses? Um, like IT consulting, cool. da data management. This okay. was back in like the late 70s, early 80s when it was really new. Yeah. Not not new, but what we would now consider very primitive sure. compared to what we have now. Yeah. Um, I remember uh, going to their office in the Whitney, uh -huh. the second floor of the Whitney in the carriage house uh, they rented. And they actually had to rent the carriage house because they put computer servers in the horse stalls oh, of the Whitney. Big, huge, Yep. Yeah, they cool. had um, they had an office in the Fisher at some point, which is where now two of my stores are. That makes right. me especially Aww. proud. Yeah. 
Um, but my parents also had an office in Greektown when I was about 12. And okay. they would just hand me people mover tokens and say, <gasps> here, go get lunch. Oh, like I their love it. 12-year-old daughter, <laughs> downtown Detroit in 1992. Oh, my gosh. Like, Daring. what were they thinking? Right. And, you know, I didn't die. And here I am. <laughs> and I love the city. And they really raised us to be a part of the city and to look at the city as the epicenter of the region, which it is yeah. culturally, uh, geographically, everything. But yeah, um, I just never imagined being anywhere else. And I think just spending most of my life in Detroit and in the Detroit area has built a lot of those relationships and friendships. And um, awesome. it's an awesome place to be. And I'm really... I'm, Detroit always has been awesome. I'm just excited now that more people are realizing it. Yes. Yeah. It's really, I love the energy. I grew up in a time when, you know, I'm about a decade older than you, but when um, it was sort of like drive to your destination. So from the suburbs to Joe Lewis or to Joe Muir's or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And, you know, don't look and don't stop. Get <laughs> don't, back in your car and hit the freeway home. <laughs> exactly. You know, and park in the, the lot that's yeah. like has security and whatever. Um, we still see a lot of that. Mm-hmm. And part of the reason why I wanted to be in New Center and in Midtown. We're not we're not actually technically downtown. We're in Mid- right. Midtown and New Center. Right. Is we wanted to catch people going to the DIA or going to the Fisher Theater sure. yeah. and say, hey, why don't you spend more time here? Check out this restaurant at the corner. Can we give you more shopping recommendations for another neighborhood you could check out? And yeah. we like to call ourselves the gateway drug to Detroit. Oh, I love because it. Because there's still this mentality of Let's go to the city, but we're only going to go to certain areas and certain places because this is what we know. And we really want to challenge people in that. Yeah. I love that. Well, that's awesome. That is so edgy and revolutionary. It's not edgy. <laughs> it is though. I mean, it's like, because it's, it's re, it's uh, redefining what Detroit means to people who've been here for a long time. Fair. And I think that's really important. You know, there are some that are not going to let go of that, but they're missing out. Yeah. And there's, and, yeah. and frankly, even, you know, my parents who definitely bought into that, you know, for a lot of their lives, they're going to restaurants. They're, they're, they're going downtown. They're walking around, which is revolutionary mm-hmm. for them. And then having a great experience. And that's really cool. And I've taken my mom to your Fisher stores (laughs) and she loved Yama. Oh, nice. I love Peacock. She loves Yama. Um, and I love Frida. Frida is definitely like my home. So thank um, you. Well, each, each of the three stores for those listening who aren't familiar, the Peacock room is very vintage inspired. Um, Yama is very like modern, contemporary, edgy. It's named after Yamasaki, the architect. So kind of inspired by him. Uh-huh. And then Frida's more like casual, eclectic, artsy, named after Frida Kahlo. She used to live in the Park Shelton where the store is. Yes. So we try to, ha- again, have something for everybody, even in terms of like aesthetic. But each of the stores are very different. Yes. So some people are like, I'm a total Yama mama. And so <laughs> I'm a total Peacock Room girl. So it's nice when you know people love all three stores. But yeah, some identify more strongly with one than the other. I love it. So unfortunately, I mean, I could talk to you for hours, but we have to wrap up (laughs) this episode. But I want to end with one question. Um, You had mentioned in your pre-interview that um, you don't think purpose is something you go out and pursue. You have to stop and let it come to you, you know, not not to try so hard, but just sort of be in the moment and in who you are. Your purpose will find you. And I wonder, Mm -hmm. you know, if you could talk a little bit about that. I think that purpose is already out there. I think that you need to unlock the relationships between pieces to connect together. Um, in Judaism, there's a, there's a, there's a theory called tikkun olam or a concept called tikkun olam. Uh-huh. And it's this cosmic theory that, you know, the world was created whole and perfect and, and intact and something cosmic happened that just shattered it into millions and millions of pieces. And every time you do a good deed, you connect two more of those pieces together and that's how you repair the world. 
And in a way, I see, you know, um, different abstract things as things that need to be pieced together, whether it's people, sure. whether it's, you know, a business to a space for a neighbor, whether right. it's, um, you know, a dress to a woman, like yeah. every time you build those connections, you are making the world a better place. So I think that a lot of my best ideas um, or actions have come from seeing things out in the world and thinking like, how do I align those two things? Or, you know, how do I really connect those two things? So I think that um, your purpose, you can find it, it's out there, you just have to have your eyes open, and you need to be able to act on it and connect those pieces and trust that inner voice that's going to propel you in the voice. right direction and you know? see things that other people don't see like look outside those check boxes and those algorithms and say these two things that you wouldn't think go together like maybe i should see what happens and unite them and yeah. amazing thing happen amazing things happen when you do that i think yeah, be a bridge i love that be a bridge well rachel lots i literally could talk to you for hours um, <laughs> but i'm not going to take up more of your day i just want to thank you for being on the make meaning podcast thanks so much and, for having me oh it's my pleasure. Anybody who's listening, you need to check out Peacock Room, Yama, Frida, um, amazing stores in the heart of Detroit. And um, they really embody what Rachel Lutz stands for. And I'm thrilled to call her my friend. So thank you for being here. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Make Meaning Podcast. I'm Lynn Galadner, and I've really enjoyed being here with you today. You can find the Make Meaning Podcast wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And I'd love it if you'd share our great conversations with all your people so we can add meaning wherever we go and whatever we do. 